You're listening to the Traffic and Funnel Show. Hey folks, this is Alan, the producer of the TNF Show. In today's episode, Taylor's interviewed by Lucas of the Coach's Corner podcast. They discuss a team's drive, creating ads with human connection, and the effects of fear. Join our podcast subscriber community by visiting trafficandfunnels.com to get a free gift from us and also to get access to special deals on our next level paid products. Don't forget to pre-order your copy of Chris and Taylor's new book, The Consultant Next Door, now by visiting trafficandfunnels.com slash cnd. That's trafficandfunnels.com slash cnd. All right, let's get to the show. What's driving you and, and, and your team behind just making money, which is kind of a boring thing to do? The, the first thing I would say is it's not all my drive. Um, I do have drive. I do feel motivated to do big things and to, and to accumulate big things and also to make impact because there's a lot of people that you can help when you have resources. Um, and there's a, there's a price to not having resources when it comes to contribution. But me and Chris have assembled people on our team who are driven as well. There's a cumulative effect, there's a compound effect. And when you look at what TF has done and TF is still growing, then you look at the three, four other businesses in our portfolio, um, all of them do over a million a month at this point. And that is not because I have the drive, it's, it's because the people that we're building they have their own drives and it's amazing what happens when I tell people that when we first started delegating, we would delegate to do's, we would delegate activities and delegate work. Uh, but when we learned how to delegate decisions and really take a person, a player on the team and say, uh, where do you want to go and how can I help you achieve it? Uh, it's amazing what happens when you come back six months later and it's like, oh, you've tripled this business and I wasn't even a part of it. So not all of that drive can be attributed to my own personal motivation. Um, However, I think that it is a lot of fun when you're able to say six months ago we were we were in a different place, and then six months from now we'll look back at now and and we'll be amazed at how far we've come. And so there is something addicting to growth, and there is something addicting to not staying put for too long. Um, But yeah. So, and, and, and why, like, if, if we're talking, like you, you said, you have four or five companies in your portfolio, they're all doing, or they're roughly doing close to, or over a million dollars a month. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what I understood. And when I, when I think about that, I'm like, okay, like, sure. Like maybe 15, 20 years, this guy's been building this, this massive company. This is not, this is in a fairly short period of time. Like we're talking four or five years. Am I off on that? Four or five years or less yeah. for some of them. And so that, yeah. that's why I'm so like, I'm always trying to listen to someone who just sees, in my mind, kind of exponential, really quick results in a short period of time, trying to figure out what those little key things are. And I think the first one we uncovered during this conversation is, is leverage and aligning a team so you can take your battery and kind of align a ton of other batteries to make way more power than you ever could yourself. 100%. I think Sweet. another thing would be, would be the lack of fear. What's keeping people from moving up and what's keeping them from doing what's necessary to achieve great things and to do more and to be more? I think stagnation in large part is uh, we, we, we have a couple hundred thousand clients. So this is not just my, my experience. This is me coaching and seeing this in the market and in people yeah. is people have so much fear and they have so much insecurity that 
You can have a person right before, like they're on the precipice. They're about to crush it. They are right before, but they're so afraid of, you know, this and that. And you add the weight on that and it's like it becomes crushing and then they become stagnant and they just stay still. How do you work someone through? Because because I also have experience with that. It breaks my heart because as a coach, I care so much. And I'm like, every resource right. is available to you. It's right in front of you. We can see the path. But you didn't do what you're supposed to do. And of course, there's conscious, subconscious. We can start going as deep as, as, as even you want with this. But maybe on a more surfacey level where someone's feeling that fear and they got chased by the, the grizzly. But instead of just grazing five minutes after, they're still holding on to that emotional fear. And they're, 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 they're just it, – it, it logically doesn't make sense. How would you work one of your clients through tapping into their greatness? Because I'm sure you weren't born this way. You had to figure this out as well. At some point, you were probably – fearful of starting a business or maybe you weren't but I, I know I was I feel like most of the people who have the most fear are the ones that um, their life has actually been a little bit easier so mm. I got lucky and that I got beat up pretty early on I wasn't born this way um, but me and Chris have both been through our individual crises and trauma trauma seasons but I would say like for somebody right now who's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is right. This is me. I'm kind of afraid is you need to look at what what's the worst that can happen. Go ahead and play it out. Most of the time it's like, well, the, the worst that can happen is I can get an ad account shut down. And it's like, OK, <laughs> mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about divorce or your ch- child dying. Like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about something so juvenile. But yet, because we don't process it, it stays in our subconscious. And that's where it's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, because in that subconscious, we don't get to actually attach weight to it. It just is all consuming. But you can bring it up in the forefront. And you're like, you know what? If I try this and it does not work, what happens is I have to buy the new car three months later than what I thought. It's like, what are you yeah. doing? Just go do yeah. it. It's not that big of a deal. Just dealing with it that way oftentimes helps. If you are in front of someone who is like a little resistant to marketing, but they're, they're great at what they, they know they have a service that they can provide. How would you communicate or word it? Because I don't think it has to be as complicated as people make it to seem. I'm sure if you're running a team in a huge company, but you got four clients from one direct mail piece back in 2014. Like, is it that complicated as people make it to seem? Or can you simplify, pick one or two vehicles and just hone in your skills on just one or two vehicles for, for getting clients? Yeah, no, you can simplify it down to whatever you want. You can simplify it down to one thing. Um, if that one thing works and if you're consistent with it. I also think that it's important to be self-aware enough to understand what's happening to your brain when you are pushing back against marketing or pushing back against sales. I think we all know people who have uh, mishandled different things, different skill sets. You know, We know people who have driven drunk and therefore they've created catastrophes. That does not mean that we should not drive or we should not have automobiles. It just means that you should do it different. And I think a lot of that, what you're talking about, actually comes from observing people misusing the skill, misusing marketing. Mm -hmm. You look at down here in the United States, we're in like, I don't know when this releases, but we're in like Donald Trump land uh, here in the US. And some people are just like, good God, like if that, if he's a great marketer, I don't want to be that. But just because somebody exemplifies a skill set a certain way doesn't mean that that has to be the way you do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important to delineate between, uh, marketing is bad versus 
this person was bad and they use marketing to do bad things, you know? What, what's your guys' philosophy when it comes to, obviously, I think the bigger scope of things is, is you guys are amazing at running traffic into offers and converting, but apart from, from the tactics, what, what do you feel is your, if you, if you could hold it down into a philosophy, because uh, you guys, I, I feel like your guys' marketing is really, and I love it, it's why I resonate with it, is honest, genuine, you guys test, but it's not, it's just real. And I think that's probably your guys' one little clue to success as well, is keeping it really real, but... Me and Chris, like, we kind of started the with the anti-guru. Um, you know, 2015, everything was dominated by Ty Lopez and, uh, you know, Russ Rufino. And, like, it was just, like, these perfect ads with perfect speech. And everything was perfect. And me and Chris were the guys who came in and we would shoot an ad and it would be like, yeah, we don't really – we're not going to make this perfect. You know, check out my house. Oh, wait, that's not my house. I'm going to get arrested. You know, like just being just yeah. just kind of silly and not professional. And and the reason for that is because in in marketing specifically, when the direction or the current is going one way, oftentimes you can make a name for yourself just by going the opposite way. And so we started kind of zigging that way with advertising and it worked and it kind of became our thing as we've, as we've grown is like just authentic. And like now the team is very production focused. So you've seen the latest ads and they're funny and it's like, they're trying to be funny and goofy and they're producing it. But at the same time, you can tell that we're not pretending to be something that we're not. And that is really the defining ethos. Like people come to expect from us now, we're going to kind of be just what you see is what you get. And sometimes it's going to be funny. And if it's not funny, we're just going to leave it raw and we're not going to overproduce. And that's kind of maybe not a specific answer to your question, but the philosophy that drives everything is really a see-through. What you see is what you get cool. feeling. Hey folks, we'll get back to the show in just a moment. We wanted to give you a quick opportunity to learn about some fabulous ways to get additional value from the TNF show. Hang tight. We'll be right back. I want to give you something that has made me millions and millions of dollars. In fact, I'm releasing a new book here in the next few weeks, and I'm about to give you the opportunity to pre-order it for just 99 cents. But for the opportunity, I want to make a deal with you. Nothing is more insulting to me than this knowledge-hungry culture that consumes, 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 but never implements. So I want you to make a deal with me before we go any further that not only will you pre-order the book, but you'll read it and implement it and share with us how it works for you in your own business, in your own life. And as a gift, I'm willing to trade you uh, for over 30 hours of private information, private material we've taken our clients through. These are things that have thousands and thousands of case studies behind them. You can do that by pre-ordering. You can get the bundle if you pre-order that includes over 30 hours of material that we've really never shared outside of our private client groups. And you have until December 6th to do this. The book is 99 cents if you pre-order it. It's a steal of a deal. Millions and millions and millions and millions. At this point, probably over $100 million tracked back to this material. I'm not allowed to promise anything, but I can promise you, you will enjoy this if you implement it. And I want to give you everything you need to make sure that this is a viable investment of your time and your money. Pre-order your copy of The Consulted Next Door now by visiting trafficandfunnels.com slash cnd. That's trafficandfunnels.com slash C-N-D. I can understand why that is working. And also, I think, because so far, I have a list of your 
the things I'm really trying to learn from you and anyone listening could learn, but you, you talk about the leverage and aligning yourself with people who have a bigger, uh, extremely driven so you can stack up your batteries. Then you had the element of fear and the subconscious and bringing it to the forefront. Then I think you, you mentioned whether we're talking zigzagging, like you mentioned, or the purple cow idea, but what's everyone doing? And how can I do something different? And when this topic comes up, the first thing I'll hear is, but everyone's, everything's already been done. Like every movie, every book, everything's been done. That's people's excuse or that's what people say. But is there still opportunities for people to say, okay, that's everyone's zagging this way or zigging this way. I'm going to go this way. Where, is there still an opportunity or is this place so saturated when it comes to ad placement and, and media buying? Where, where's the opportunity for people right now? If they want to see, there's, I mean, there's always an opportunity. There's, there's never, there's never going to be such a crowded space that things don't work anymore. That said, there are uh, oceans that are less crowded than others. Um, in re- in regards to advertising, I don't know because I don't do that anymore. Uh, I pay people a lot of money to do that for us, mm-hmm. so I'm actually not sure. But I think there will always be a space for uh, as 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 we digitize more and more, what we're going to have to be careful and cognizant of is there is always a space carved out for human connection. And sometimes what we miss due to the social media nature of life, what we miss is even someone on video being honest, even someone on video saying, Hey, what you think you have to do to achieve X, Y, Z, I'm going to be honest, that's not what I did. And I want to give you, you can feel that transparency across the screen. So I don't think there's ever going to be a a day and age when the authenticity does not actually work. I think we'll be creative in finding new ways to express that. Uh, But there's always an opportunity right now for, for connection. You know, people are always surprised when they hear me speak in person or whatever. They're like, you talk about things that no one else really wants to talk about. And it's because I have nothing to hide. There's no fear. So let's full circle everything back to the second step. It's like you have these people who the reason they're projecting this image that is not real is likely because they have they feel they have things to hide that if got out or if they showed up this way, people would not accept them. That's insecurity and it's fear. When you can beat that, it opens up this cap space for you to just be who you are. And sometimes things are not going to work. That doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that what you tried didn't work. I love you know? that. I love it. So I think I'm going to sum up that third thing just so it's easy to digest is authenticity. Although I feel like that's a, a word used online that, that is sort of blown out of proportion. But like you, you are so damn unique. I remember as an actor because I was studying why celebrities got celebrity status. And they they became more and more okay just being them. And then they find their thing. And it's not that it was manufactured because you can't manufacture that for 30 years. At some point, people are going to find out you're lying, but they found their thing, whether it's Johnny Depp's rings or, or, or whatever that is. Everyone kind of finds their thing, whether that's an expression through fashion or their language or their weird little, you know, Pierce Brosnan, James Bond suave. But they find their thing and then they leverage that to its max potential and, and become top stars. And we love them for it. Because it's, it's, they're, they're genuine. It's, it's part of them. So I think that's your third sort of secret sauce. You, prob- you can probably, if, in a word, just sum it up with identity. Because when a person's identity is sound, that exudes authenticity. It mm-hmm. exudes confidence, lack of fear, lack of 
you know, all of those things. Like when an identity is health, it's healthy, the soil is healthy and things can grow. That's that. what you're talking about is yeah. when people get more and more comfortable, really what you're seeing is their identity cements. They no longer feel like they have to cover it up with cool. anything. Totes, totes. I love that. I love that. I love that. I've, I've seen you say oftentimes, and I resonate with this so much because to me at some point, the pain, the emotional pain of trying to win because I didn't see things as a game was I couldn't, I couldn't bear it anymore. It was like I, I was just way too serious all the time. And then I started at some level. I don't know if I heard this somewhere, but I was like, wait, this is a game. And let me see it as a game and I'll lose and I'll win. But as long as I don't eject the game, I don't know who explained this to me. I'm, I won't I won't fail. I'll just lose and have to restart Mario Kart. And it changed everything for me when I saw it as a game. It became a lot of fun to put the pieces together and try to figure it out. And I've, I've seen you mention that a lot of the times on interviews or, or just in some write-ups I saw. Do, do, is that true? Like, do you see things as a game? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I also um, think that you could also sub out game with like experiment, you know? Um, it just maybe depends on, that's my, maybe a personality thing where it's like, you really enjoy the game aspect and sometimes I'm just going to experiment and they're the same effect. The biggest thing the the cornerstone underneath that is that you don't die if you lose. That's the big, that's the big thing that connects us. And that goes back to fear and what you are, you know, what you are holding yourself to in terms of standards. Right. Cool. And, and it sounds like you have. I always love when you see someone's stuff and on the surface level, it looks great. But when you actually get to know someone or really dive into their expertise, they're always coming back to some idea, whether they're conscious of it or not, like their success is dependent upon. They started figuring out these beliefs and you talk about fear a lot, which is so interesting to me because it sounds like you hold that at a really high, mm, you know, in, in your awareness, like you're you you probably hold that as a big pillar. Like you've, you've talked about it probably eight times today. So I want to dive into that just a little bit more if that's cool. Where When did you start becoming, because you said you weren't born this way and you wanted to have your wife support you or you wanted to just sit at home and be a stay-at-home dad. At one point, that was like your, your goal. You're like, this would be cool. Yeah. And as you started chipping away things and maybe you got your first few clients, I think you had one thing where you had 9K of clients. You got three clients and then you guys were all pumped. And then you realized you need to now deliver on my promise and obviously the fear came up but you chose to walk through it whereas maybe some people would crumble and do a refund and i'm not good enough and i'll never do this so what what do you think behind all that you said you went through some trauma and some some hardship which i do think is the greatest gift people can have when they're growing up but what what do you think what like what made you go through it and stick with it up to this point five million dollars a month can't be there's got to be issues and, and, and fears and stuff that's still coming up and that you're dealing with, but you just keep stepping into it. It's become a fun experiment for you. What, what, what can people do just <clears throat> to get past that? Because it pains me just as much as, as probably other people. I mean, have, have you ever taken a cold shower? Yeah, yeah, every morning. Uh, three years ago, I started doing that. So when you started it, you remember how hard it is to make yourself, like, especially not now, it's probably like no big deal, but... For that first week, you remember how hard it was to do it? Yeah, yeah, it was like 10 seconds and I'd turn it hot and pretend that I was tough, but I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like, man, would I rather die right now or would I rather do a cold shower? Mm -hmm. It's biological, it's, it's psychological, it's all of, it's everything wrapped together. It's, some would say spiritual. It's like, mm -hmm. I will do anything 
except for this right here. Um, getting yourself to move forward in life is very similar in that sometimes the only way to do it is to jump before you can figure it out. Because if you can figure it out, then you'll you'll rectify yourself back out of, you know, you'll justify everything. You'll justify, as I think of the person who's like, man, every year you're sitting down and you're promising the people you love this that next year is going to be different. And 2021 is my year. And then next year we're going to be 2022 is my year. 2023. It's like at a certain point, you just have to make yourself jump in the shower. Because if you keep doing math with yourself, you won't do it. Specifically for me, um, when I was getting into the business world, I kind of had this dream picture almost. It was like, I, I have a hunch that everybody goes through the same amount of, uh, you're allowed to cuss on this show? Yeah, yeah, hit it. Everybody goes through the same amount of in their life. Now, some hit it early and some hit it late and some which is the worst possible, have it peppered all throughout. And I really want to make a decision here that I'm going to front load the pain in the business aspect to the first six, 12 months. So if you look at the first six months, it was, it was like you know being dismembered. It was denial, refunds, uh, 100 no's, kicking out, kicked out of Facebook groups, uh, mentors who didn't want to train me. And it was just this thing after thing, after thing, after thing. I remember one night coming home, I just made a big Facebook post trying to get clients. And I was, uh, I got threatened to get kicked out of the group. And then like a hundred people had commented on it. No joke. It went viral. Um, and it was like the wrong kind of viral. Um, and I, and Lindsay was just like, what is, what is the matter? And I was like, I don't really know if this is worth what's happening. You know, like, I'm not really sure. And that was like a light bulb moment where I was like, no, like I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again. But once I got through the first six months, I had the maturity of someone who had been in business for five years. And then we go through another year, another cycle. And we had been, we were sued inside of that first year. I mean, so we get through a year and I had the maturity of someone who had been in business for 10 years. Now, like your maturity has nothing to do with how much time you've put in. That's why it's, it's shocking to people that, in 2014, net worth of negative 20, 2020, net worth of 50 million growing by a couple million a year. They, they can't understand yeah. that. It doesn't seem like there's been enough time, but it's not the time that builds a man. It's actually the pain and the toleration levels you're able to build. A lot of people live 10 years, but they have the maturity of a one year. And I did it the opposite. And I went through one year and I went through 10 years of pain. I would rather front load everything. When you do that, like you think of a person who's 75 years old, 80 years old. They don't have a lot that they're afraid of anymore. Their, their regrets are more, they wish that they could have spent more time with their family. And, you know, but what, when it comes down to it, you can recognize the maturity of, a, of, a, of an old saint. Because it's like they've done everything wrong and they've gotten, they figured it out. I've been able to grab that through going through painful experiences, getting back in the cold shower, doing it again the next day, doing it again the next day. And then before you know it, it's like you look at me now and I'm 31 years old, but I speak like a 50-year-old in the way that 
you know, I manage my emotions and my perspectives. I don't know if this is making sense. It's a long rant, a little bit of a ramble. Total sense, total sense. But man, that's where the fear thing comes from. Is like, I spent 25 years living in fear. Then I went through everything I was afraid of. I was like, oh, let's go. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.